Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. Conversation on um, setting up the leadership that uh, Africa really needs. And not just as any type of figure or somebody that just, you know, has an opinion uh, about that. It's really a, a person of impact, one to, to look out for. And I said the other day, you know what, uh, it's good that we have a conversation with him because there's going to be a time where he's going to be overly booked. We probably won't even, you know, have any access to his agenda or whatever, because uh, he mm-hmm. is, you know, a noted uh, personality and so much more that people should really engage with. And uh, I feel only his his impact uh, thus far is going to be even more and more enormous as you know, we are also passionate about um, youth leadership, not just passionate about that, but also looking for ways as how could we contribute to our continent as either we decide to go back or 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 any of that. Um, already mentioned, he is uh, the immediate past head of programs at the Dankwa Institute, and now the founding executive director of Candifo uh, Institute, a policy research think tank that focuses on leadership, uh, especially youth leadership, economy and uh, governance, and why he should be part of this conversation. All of that, we are going to find out that and more in a bit. Let's uh, let's just have him over so that we could uh, get to talk uh, to him. Uh, how are you, Palgrave? I am very well, thank you, Abba and Donny. How are you all doing? Good evening. We're, we're doing good. good You're looking festive. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's good. It's good to have you on uh, on again and to be able to talk to you. I know your your day is busy. Last time you even uh, mentioned, listen, I've been here from six a.m. You from probably have uh, uh, a lot more hours to go. <laughs> I do. I do. Today, today actually wasn't like that. I think I got in here around ten o'clock. Um, in the morning, and uh, <laughs> I, I I needed to <laughs> I needed to organize my week, <laughs> right, and right. then put some plans together. But it's good to be here again. I I think that the last two weeks was extremely insightful, and um, I look forward to today's conversation. It Things was. have changed quite a bit globally concerning COVID, and so um, this conversation is really timely for us to have. And I really do look forward that um, when we are done with this, it will be good to do periodic monthly interviews and conversations. I Absolutely. Very much Absolutely. Well. That is, uh, um, let's just say, a powerful way to, um, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasant suggestion which will be picked up. You know, let's let's take notes here, people. When you want your ideas to happen, just, you know, slide it in like that and uh, things, things will happen. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, how how has been your week uh, so far? Uh, a lot in in our world, it has been a lot of BLM, Black Lives Matter concept. Did you yeah. did you pick up on anything of that? Well, I did. Um, I think that in in Ghana, um, we saw a little bit of a young man who wanted to join the global conversation. So he had a bit of a vigil, which didn't go quite well. So he was picked up by national security. Oh, and um, <laughs> later on was released and. Uh, puts back in the media for further conversations. But I just think that it's rightfully important that as, as Africans, if we want to join global conversations, we do it rightly. We we need to put a lot of intellectual conversations into it uh, because it's got a number of diplomatical infiltrations. And so if, 
if the president of the land has not yet either made a, con a conversation or shown um, some sympathy, it's important that the citizen leaders hold on and hang on because whatever that you do impacts largely on the country. And I, I do recognize that the president sent his uh, commiseration to the life of the young man who passed on and then just wished as well that these things do not happen on. But my week has been extremely exciting, primarily because I've been working on um, a policy document as it relates to the National Communication Authority and um, them declaring MTN as an SMP. And so uh, from a policy th think tank standpoint, I've been working very strongly on how this is extremely important for the continual development of our country in terms of the technical space that yeah. MTN becomes yeah. such an SMP. It doesn't allow equal play for the rest of the telecommunication um, agencies, um, either Vodafone or Airtel to go or Glow. Um, they need to be sure that as a free market, everyone has equal opportunity to play. And also it gives room for investors to be able to come to know that the system is not hijacked and manipulated by a big giant. And so I've been working on those policy documents. I think that my feature articles and news news release will come by Tuesday. Um, mm -hmm. Tomorrow is clouded with president's speech tonight at eight o'clock. And so Tuesday, mm -hmm. my feature article is going to be in a number of the media houses. And then following on, I'm going to be doing a lot of um, TV interviews, just what it looks like for a common Ghanaian in terms of the consumer, um, how much they are paying when they use MTN and um, how MTN is not having an equal access in terms of competition with the others. I've also yeah. just been um, awarded as an African advisor for DPU. DPU is an online university in India. Um, this week, I, I got appointed as the Africa advisor for the entire of the continent. Um, and um, my role primarily is just to uh, encourage young people to participate in online studies and also be involved yeah. in the MBA course. The MBA course for DPU is a four semester course two years, which typically, if it was brick and mortar, if you needed to fly from any part of the world to come to India to study, you would pay 80,000 US dollars. But because of COVID, online um, MBA course is now going for 2,750. And so my task is to raise 1,000 students across the continent who can participate in this online MBA course. And I think that COVID just gives us an opportunity to look into the technological aspect of our right. own development and education. So I've been working on a number of things, yeah. Yeah, very, very important topics that you are touching on and very, uh, very much needed for the future, if you ask me. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, you know, we're definitely excited to have you uh, back on. Let's just uh, fingers crossed and hope that our convo for today would uh, would fit in, you know, in the in the time lapse that we have, so that you could go on to uh, the president's uh, speech. And um, even even if we hear you talking, because one of the the, the policy uh, policies that you have been focusing on relates to young people. It relates to the future, shaping, you know, future leaders and, uh, and all of that. Uh, last time you mentioned that you focused on young people doing the thinking as it relates to uh, a Institute. Um, could you, could you share with us where specifically do you see, uh, the benefits of young people doing the thinking going? Well, thank you very much. So um, young people in terms of the ages, in terms of the age bracket from 13 right up to 25 or even further on young adults in their 30s, 
Um, yeah. We look very strongly um, in terms of those conversations that young people are now beginning to take charge of the future. They are beginning mm -hmm. to see that the future belongs to them. And so if you have elderly people setting up policies, it's important that around the table you have young people who are going to live in those policies. So every now and then people ask me, so how do you spend a lot of your time thinking about young people? Do you think that this is worthwhile? Do you think that the young people are interested in joining global conversations? I, I keep saying it's a yes, and it's a yes, and it's a yes. It's worthwhile to spend your time with young people. It's worthwhile to invest your knowledge. It's worthwhile to work on policy documents that are young friendly. And um, I've seen that young people are thinking are right as it relates to these conversations. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, also, how, how does it work like in practical, in a, in a practical sense? Because I know you are um, now pretty much, or as the picture that I'm having, is you're laying the foundation and ensuring that things can be done, you know, for, for the Institute. But how does it look in, in a practical manner? How, how when, when a young person enrolls, or let's just say that they can enroll, how does it go from start to finish as in terms of participation? Okay, so um, just to give you a bit of, um, maybe you're looking for a genealogy in terms of um, a journey. So right. a young people will, will come in at point A, which we would practically say that that's the stage where you're getting to get knowledge. So um, mm. we, it, it could be a learning stage, it could be a welcoming stage, and um, typically it will take you three months to understand the environment that you find yourself in because this is a new a new environment in terms of thinking and um, it's thinking outside the box. And so um, when I have conversations with young people who come in, I typically will tell you, always look out for the interest of people. Why is this person asking me to do this? What mm -hmm. is their stake in it? What is their interest in it? And always ask questions from a policy angle. Imagine that we we streamline this of what benefit is it going to be to the larger people. So typically it will take um, a bit of a three months um, journey for phase one. So phase one would basically be that you need to come in so you're welcomed in. And um, as, as um, we have a lot of coach, uh, we have a lot of coaches and mentors in here. Um, basically you need to go through a process of conversation because then you're coming from a stage where you need to unlearn some things that you have learned over the years and then relearn some things. And so, you need to go through conversations and questions with your mentors in terms of your own plan that you have for your life, but, yeah. but particularly just orienting you around a policy angle as it, as it relates to libertarianism, it relates to free markets, it relates to leadership, economic governance, just in those areas. And then afterwards, um, now it comes to the stage of building. So we need to build into the young people. And this is all phase one, which is taking three months. In, in terms of building the young people. So building the young people, capacity building, soft skill building, all of the other relevant building capacities that are needed for the young people to get. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. No worries. And adequately equipped, um, you do that in the building stage. And um, particularly in the building stage, you ensure that the young, sorry. <coughs> I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, particularly in the building stage, mm -hmm. okay, maybe I'm sure I'm coughing, so people think I have COVID. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't worry. 
we're, 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 ensuring, we're ensuring that nothing of that happens. That's, that's For those of you who just tuned in, uh, welcome to Africa Unfocus. Uh, here is where we share our success stories, and we are pleasantly talking COVID-free, of course, talking to our special guest, uh, Palgrave Boachidankwa, who is uh, talking to us about, you know, the, uh, the leadership that Africa really needs. A part two, actually, of an earlier uh, interview that we had somewhat two weeks ago, and uh, we then started to to, to get to know uh, Palgrave uh, Boachidankwa and uh, what really the Kandifu Institute is 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 for. And uh, there were a list of things, you know, marked and set for this coming period that the Institute has uh, outlined, uh, not just for impact, but really for change and for growth and all of that to really make this youth leadership uh, a long lasting thing. Let me just put it that way. Uh, so if you are here, uh, please don't hesitate to drop, you know, questions that you have. I'm going to create some time so that we also uh, touch on that and uh, cover some of the questions and we talk to uh, Palgrave Wachidankwa uh, about this. For some reason, I don't know where this comes from, but I somehow have this tendency to call you His Excellency or something. I don't know where this comes from, <laughs> but I feel like when, when I call your name, I just, have to, now. I, I just have to make sure I don't put, you know, I don't forget something, you know, something as of that, but that was just by the way. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So thank you so much. So just basically to continue the conversation. So um, typically in terms of um, a chronology, um, you would come in to basically understand yourself. So we would call that a welcoming stage. So um, it will take a couple of weeks, um, typically 12 weeks um, in terms of phase one. So we'll welcome you, we'll have conversations with you. We will try to unpack to clearly understand who you are and then bring you into a new thinking, a new thinking of thinking outside the box, a new thinking of understanding what policy looks like, a new yeah. thinking of really just knowing that policy is what works in terms of creating institutions, in terms of creating systems. When you get into an environment, you really want to just put policies in place. And so you go through that welcoming stage, you would be paired with a mentor, you'll be paired with a coach, you work yeah. on various assignments. And so we'll just tell you to pick up any policy document that you can easily find. It could be a policy document on, on communication, policy document on road, policy document on um, telecommunication, entertainment, ICT, any policy document. And then we'll ask you to tweak out the questions that, uh, because policy is all about questions. And um, you, you ask the question. So, who are the people that benefit here in terms of um, if I put an example on the National Communications Authority um, declaring MTN as an SMP, it's, it's really a consumer issue. So it's consumer, yeah. consumer, consumer, and it's an um, equal playing field for the rest of the telecommunication um, companies. So clearly, if you pick up the policy document of um, National Communications Authority, you should be able to open to page 16 and clearly state that at page 16, it states A, B, C, and D. And so you are either agreeing with government or disagreeing with government if you either go to page 18 that allows for competition and all of that. So that's really what you will do. And then once you're done with that welcoming stage, once you're done with that conversations and questionings, then you now start planting some things into the lives of the young people. So giving them books to read and introducing them to new concepts that are around the world, Atlas, and you can encourage them to visit Atlas, encourage them to visit 
other think tanks mm -hmm. that are globally um, recognized and known that yeah. people will yeah. learn some more and pick up topical issues. Then from there, you're, you're done with phase 1.1. Then you go to phase 1.2. So phase 1.2 is where you start building into the young people. And this is where you spend a lot of time with the young people. Um, and it's, an on, it's, it's a life on life mentoring and it's a life on life coaching. And so it's all, it's either intentional or it's either accidental. But um, if you know that you're in a scheme, then it's not accidental because then everything that you're doing is intentional. And so you go through the building stage, you try to spend a lot of time with the young people, you give them documents to read, to access, you tell them to try their hands on writing things and they write them and then you bring them back, you review them. Um, phase phase 1.3 is where you now look for opportunities for the young people where they can now start implementing the things that they have learned. And so you assess opportunity for the young people, you train them clearly and you mobilize them. So you mobilize a pool of young people to either work on a particular subject or a particular theme. So Candifo Institute is gonna be one year in September and um, my team is just gonna begin this week working on a documentary. So we are gonna be working on a documentary that is going to look into the future of Ghana to where we want to be as a country in the next 37 years, where Candifo desires to be in the next 50 years. So um, our one year documentary is gonna look into something like that in terms of our impact that has, we have had over the past 12 months and the what we desire to achieve over the next 12 months and going forward. So you assess them. And then point four of phase one, in terms of um, a journey of a young person, is clearly where you now start multiplying. So you taught the young people that, so I took you through a process of point one, point two, point three. Now you need to go bring another young person and start doing the same thing. And so really that's where you, you begin to see that there's a multiplication effect. So um, PBD does not, need to, does not need to be everywhere simultaneously. Why? Because PD, PBD has replicated himself in many young people who clearly either think like him, act like him, walk like him, mm -hmm. or either think differently like him, either walk differently like him, either speak differently like him, but it comes to the same thing. It comes to the same point of conservatism, it comes to the same point of libertarianism, it comes to the same point of limited government, it comes to the same point of free market, it comes to the same point of adequate leadership, it comes to the same point of understanding the difference between politics and government, understanding right. what economy right. is, and so that's really what you do. So that's like phase one. Then you go to a phase two. Now, phase two is critically important because the young people need to have a firm foundation. Firm foundation is where, you know, there's, there's, there's a conversation every now and then when they ask, what is corruption? And uh, many elderly people that have either gone ahead of us and are yet to come will say that corruption is an old thing that has been with us for a very long time. But yeah. if, you, if you get to the foundations very well, if your foundations are strong in terms of your ethics, in terms of your values, in terms of your principles, in terms of your to-dos and your not-to-dos, um, it builds you very much for the future. And so once we are done with phase one and all the four points that I elucidated above, then we go to phase two. So phase two is where we talk about functional issues. So we, we realize that people come into an environment with three things. Number one, they come with the, into an environment from their upbringing. Number two, they come into an environment from their societal impact. And then number three, they come into an environment of the combination of the two that is mixed up. So now you need to unpack those and then start teaching priorities. You start teaching principles. You start teaching ethics. 
And so I told I told my team last week Friday that what I'm going to do from from now to the end of the year is to dedicate every Friday to watch documentaries. So every Friday from now, I'll be watching documentaries with my team and we'll watch anything and everything. So anything and everything means anything and everything. So anything and everything that has been documented where we can learn things from, we'll dedicate Fridays to do that. So Fridays is a day where we go into the life of the people that we may never have met, we would never meet, and those that have either aspired to join the heavenly host. So those kind of things. So we build foundations. And so the foundation time would also typically take another um, 12 weeks to do, um, basically just understanding who people are, because it takes, usually it takes 21 days to form a habit repeatedly. Right. So Andy right. Stanley says that you need to restate your vision every 21 days. So every 21 days, your vision leaks. So it's like a bucket that has holes in it or a bottle that has holes in it. So every 21 days, that bucket leaks. So you need to refill the vision again. So the foundation is really critical because then you need to go through a personal transformation. So you go through a personal transformation, which is the first P. Now, the second one is an O, which is observatory. So I do a lot of observational study. So I study by observing. So I get into an environment and I quickly will scan the environment. In, in 15 minutes, I have an idea of the culture of the environment, of the DNA of the environment. I clearly know who to talk to, who not to talk to. I clearly know who would be easily accessible, who would not be accessible. So we teach those things. Because if you're going to be involved in policy, if you're going to be involved in thinking, if you're going to be involved in changing paradigms and changing thoughts and ideologies, it's important that you clearly understand these things and be aware of your environment. So your P is your, your personality and your principles. Your O is your observation, your observation. So the things that you observe around yourself. And then a W will clearly be the speech and the words of people. You need to pick up key words from people. So if you are reading an article or you are reading a policy statement, I always tell them, get a red pen and get a blue pen and get a green pen. So make sure that you are picking up key key points because it is out of those key points that you would use to either develop your policy statement. So if Candifo writes a policy statement on the fact that we, we are endorsing um, um, electoral commission to go ahead with the voter register because it's clearly needed for our development. And then we're also stating that, okay, it's good that people have gone to the Supreme Court to challenge the mandate of the electoral commission because that depends on democracy. So if you if you go into those things, then you're clearly saying, what depends on democracy? You're going to bring the constitution, you're going to bring um, what the constitution states about the electoral commission, you're going to bring what the constitution states about an eligible person who turns 18 years old, you're going to bring what the constitution states about um, your date of birth in terms of when you will need a birth certificate, the things that you need yeah. to get into yeah. the birth certificate, all of those other things. So then it's broadening your scope and your thinking. Then you are you're extremely very different from another young person who has not gone through the rigorous, the rigorous training that you would have. So W is really your work. And then you go to an E. Now it's important that you you as you come along, you you establish your own thinking. So if people mention Miss Abba, people should clearly say yeah. that Miss Abba is A, B, C, D. You can never go wrong. If people should mention Donnie, People should be able to say that Donnie is A, B, C, and D. You can never go wrong. If people should mention Palgrave, people should say Palgrave is A, B, C, and D. So E is really your established state. Your established state is what really does not change. So um, it's like um, on issues of 
on, uh, on issues of lifestyle, you can swim like a fish. But when it comes to principles, you should stand like the rock. I mean, really that. So that's the E. And then the R, in terms of the foundation, is really relationship. You know, many people do not value relationship. But, you know, I, I, I personally do not care how much money you have in your bank account, but I care about how much relationship you have. Because really, your, your network is your net worth. So if, if, you, if you have a lot of deep relationship, not just shallow relationship, because you know that there are people who just come around because um, they are either opportunistic and uh, because of what they will get or because of something. I mean, so really you want to build deepened relationship. And so the young people that we take, take through a chronology, we usually tell them you need to build a healthy relationship. You, you shouldn't just consider this as an institute that you're working through, but you should consider this as a journey. It's a journey that is deepening you deeper and deeper in terms of forming your own thoughts, forming your own ideologies, forming your own thinking. And um, when the opportunity presents itself and you have an opportunity to either speak or write, people would ask you, where did you get your training from? So really relationships is important. And I tell the young people that do not bang the door, do not close the door. So all of my life, all of my working life, there has never been an opportunity where I was, well, there's been opportunity that has been created, but I've never written a resignation letter ever in my life. When I want to leave an environment, I, I, I show signs. And the signs are so evidential that you would call me for a conversation. And when we have the conversation, it's enough. It's really better than handing over a white paper that states that, dear, da, 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 resignation letter. I wish to let you know that I have resigned from this job sign, blah, 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 and then you submit it. That goes on your file, and that stays on your file forever. It stays on your file forever. But when you have an open conversation that, hello, sir, I am very happy for the opportunity you gave to me. I really am still part of the bigger team. I just would like to have some time to either study French or either take care of my child or either pick an, an sport or either go on a sabbatical, and when I'm back, I, I am, you can always send me assignments while I'm away and things like that. It, it's, really, it's really important when you are building relationships that you never close the door, you never shut the door, you never slam it because you don't know where your next opportunity will come and who will be seated at the other side of the desk, either interviewing you or granting an opportunity. So that's like phase two. Then you go to phase three. So phase three really is where you start handing over tools in terms of resources, um, where you start showing the young people where the materials are, where you clearly equip them very strongly, where they can stand on their feet without you. So you equip the young people at phase three, where you give them opportunities to now start to start engaging. So if there are TV appointments and radio appointments and writing appointments, you give it to the young people because that's really how best they can learn. So you give them those opportunities. And then um, phase three as well also focuses on the vision of the young people. So you now you tell them that now everybody has a vision. And so your, your, your vision will fit into a bigger vision, you know, like a bigger vision globally. But you need to have a vision because it's out of your, your passion comes out of your vision. If you don't have a vision, you don't have a passion and you can't run someone else's vision. You know, I, I have a vision. I, there's something that I really want to see. I, I want to see a country where every single system works. I want to see a country where the hospitals work. I want to see a country where the roads work. 
I want to see a country where the airport system works. I want to see a country where the transportation system works. I want to see a country where there's respect because I was brought up by old people that were born in the 40s and 30s. So I want to see a country where these value systems are greatly ingrained in the hearts and minds of young people and it's living out. People are living it out. So really, um, phase three is about the vision of the young people. So we, we talk about your own character. You know, character is who you are when other people are not watching you. And that's clearly what integrity is. And um, we, we talk about your character. So if, if people should mention your name, what is it associated with? It's clearly important. And so that's where we start teaching the young people. And so phase two is 12 weeks. Phase three is also 12 weeks. So we talk about your character. And then we also talk about your competency because you know it's really unfortunate. It's gonna be a very sad day if one person is giving an appointment and you are ill-equipped for that appointment. That is why for me, because I'm a globe trotter and I've been to a number of countries that has been that has been exposed to me. I work, I live in Ghana, I work in Ghana, but I work like I work in the globe. Because at a time when some people are sleeping in this country, other people are waking up. And if you want to be, you know, I tell people that there's not a word, there's a word like global, but really there should be a word like local. Okay, so local is a combination of global and local. So you are being locally relevant, but you are being globally competitive. So I, I sit in Ghana, and I have an opportunity to be on high radio. And uh, Miss Abba and Donnie is interviewing me. Why? Because I have worked my way up to be local. So I am locally relevant and globally relevant. And so we tell the young people that you should be competent. It's important that you build depth. And I like to spell the word depth. D-E-P-T-H. D-E-P-T-H. People need to be able to build depth. You, you, if you want to have a good foundation, you must really go deeper, 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 deeper. And I'm sure that many people have heard about the Chinese bamboo tree, how long it takes for it to grow, that if you plant the Chinese bamboo tree, it will take five years for you to see something on the surface of the earth. But every single day, you must diligently water the Chinese bamboo tree. But if you miss out on watering the Chinese bamboo tree, in the fifth year, you will not see anything. But what happens in the fifth year? In the fifth year, the Chinese bamboo tree grows 14 inches in a week. 14 inches in a week. So we tell the young people that it's important that you build depth. Don't, don't be excited about shallowness because your shallowness will give up on you. <laughs> and so it's important that people build depth. So that's really about competency. You should be extremely competent for whatever opportunity that is given to you. So within your age of 20 to 30, you're, exper you're experimenting and you, you're gathering all the things that you need to gather in terms of what you want to do. But by the time you hit 35, which is midlife, you should have, you should have mastered on a major that um, when I was young, I did A, B, C, and D. I taught, I mowed the garden, I washed cars, I went to be an attendant in a bar. And I, I think that at this stage, I want to do this. And that's really where you start building a career. Because then from 35, if you build a career that is good enough, you can build a healthy career for the next 35 years, which will span a generation. And that is really the legacy that you will leave. So that's like phase three, and then we'll go to phase four. Phase four really is about multiplying yourself, really. It's about multiplication. 
And so that's where you, you would see, I tell people that, you know, the gestation period for the rabbit, the rabbit gives birth every two weeks and it gives birth many times. So if you want to see exponential growth, you need to have a rabbit gestation period. But to have a rapid gestation period is to ensure that you have smaller groups of people that are multipliable and smaller groups of people that are replicable. And so if you look into Ghana, by the time Kandifu Institute is three years old by 2023, I can promise you without a word of prophecy that Kandifu would have been a rabbit institute scattered everywhere along this continent of Africa, everywhere. You would hear of an institute that is focusing on young people, an institute that is conservative in mind, an institute that believes in free markets, an institute that believes in policy, public policy, advocacy, an institute that speaks and talks and walks the talk. And so clearly, the fourth stage is where you are producing. So it's like your product. So you start with your purpose, you start with your passion, you go through a process, and then you go through a product. So I've just spoken to you about the four Ps. I've spoken to you about phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four in answer to your question. Yeah, that's a, that's a very a good and clear outline of uh, what one goes through once, uh, or youngster goes through uh, once he or she joins in. So can you tell me uh, how how is this to be regarded? Is this like an extra, um, Is is can, can people go through this as an, addition to their course or is this for people that have graduated how is this constructed in terms of time so um thank you very much so you know kandifu institute is a registered organization it's 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 it's, it's a company um, it's an institute it's a think tank it runs as an as a cso and so um people can come in as interns from the university People can come in as volunteers from high school and people can come in to work fully um, yeah. because the number of projects that we work on. Um, at the moment, I've been thinking about Ghana at 100. And so uh, my team is thinking about how Ghana at 100 is going to be like. So I'm, we're gathering our materials and our resources. And mm -hmm. uh, anyone that comes in will work along those things. And uh, we've... So for those of you who just tuned in, uh, we are talking to uh, Palgrave Boachidankwa, and who is uh, who's probably has to resign in because of the, the connection. And uh, we are just having a talk on, um, or basically as a broad sense, uh, the leadership that Africa really needs. And we are zooming in on uh, our motherland, Ghana, as in terms of how we can put the right, um, or you know, right initiatives in place to really further build uh, young leaders and um, female, both male and female, as it comes from our, our uh, from our motherland. And uh, of course, also, uh, in the meantime, if you just tuned in, because we're going to have Palgrave to uh, rejoin us in a bit. If you have questions or remarks or any of that, I'm going to get some time out to uh, within within all of that <laughs> that he's explaining. I'm just going to give you uh, some time to also uh, uh, drop a question here and there. 
in the meantime, I just want to give a shout out to a couple of you out there that are listening because uh, I know a lot of you just joined in from uh, from Ghana itself. Uh, shout out to Nene McRich, who always tunes in. He's part of our Let's Chat Africa panel. And um, also Steve Mens Amsterdam. Uh, last time you tuned in with us and you also shared with us uh, a, an initiative that is going on. I think it had to do with a Greek. Um, um, I think it was a Dutch funded uh, project that's going on for uh, smaller or emerging uh, companies uh, from Ghana. And think I think it's such an exchange uh, thing. Connect him to me. You are sending in your telephone number. I will be sure to give you that telephone number to uh, Palgrave. And I just look at the back end. Uh, Palgrave just uh, tuned in with us again. Let's let's get him on board and uh, interact some more uh, with him. Thank you so much for for tuning back in, Palgrave. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I think that there was a network challenge, but. Um... No, no. No worries, no worries. We're, we're even happy with the, the the how the connection is going now. So okay, really, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's really. Uh, you were talking on, you know, as as in terms of time. How is this added to one's education or one's uh, course that he's he's following? Could you just give us a, a brief outline of that? So basically, thank you so much, about um, Basically, in terms of time, it's really up to the person. Um, we. We wouldn't um, we wouldn't insist on you doing um, A to Z or or Z to A. I mean, we 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 are here as an institute. So if you come in as a volunteer, um, you you come in based on what you're able to do, and uh, we'll put yeah. you in the volunteer schedule. If you come in as an intern, um, we'll put you in as an intern schedule. So you either work once a week or or twice a month or things like yeah. that, and it's on a project basis. But if you come in as a full time employee, then um, I mean, we put you in as a full-time employee after you have gone through all the necessary requirements that gives you access to be employed by this great institute, Kandefo Institute. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Could you could you share with me, because, you know, one, one of everything that you've outlined, both in our part one of this interview and even now, are such you know, groundbreaking initiative in a sense that, you know, it, it, it's really fine-tuned uh, on particular uh, areas within, uh, within Ghana or let's just say the, in the social sphere, which should be, you know, tackled. Why hasn't government picked up on this thus far? Do you know any of that? I know it's not your responsibility to talk on government, but is, is there, why is this such a, um, point of attention for a Kandifo Institute and why hasn't this rather been something that you would think maybe government would pick up on? Well, um, thank you very much. I, I, I think that government is big. Um, we all are part of government. Um, Abba is part of government. Donnie is part of government. I'm part of government. Um, government, is really, government is really what people do. So your actions and inactions contribute to the governance of of, of a community or a country, but I would I would rightly state that um, Ghana is Ghana has been a very um, open-minded country um, where um, think tanks are given room to operate. So the contributions of think tanks are dearly dearly held on in high esteem, especially if you are one that is integral. Um, you would have you would have the opportunities of government either reaching at Okay, government will reach out to you in terms of 
you having a look at a particular policy statement. And also really it's about whoever is leading a particular think tank and um, whatever you can easily just pick up government policy statements and tear it apart, tear it apart and look for loopholes and look for aligning thoughts and um, basically send your proposals to government that government, I, I, I looked at uh, maybe let's pick education. I looked at your education policy. I, I think that if we continue to go this route, it's not going to be helpful for the children that we are going to give birth to. It's not going to be helpful for the children that our children are going to give birth to. And so we propose that um, you take a look at this in terms of short-term measure, look at this in terms of medium-term measure. But if you're going to go really a long-term measure, we think that as government, you should look at that. So really, um, if you if you voice out, if you speak, if you open up yourself, I think that um, your voice will be heard. And even if your voice is not heard, your documents will leave to show. All right. Yeah, just a quick question to, uh, uh, about the governmental policy making, because um, government also yeah, well, makes policies and a lot of them. And candy uh, for institutions, I've heard a lot of policy making objectives or as, as also a very strong intent of the uh, institution. So is it, is it the idea that they're going to be critical of um, the available policies that the government has made, or is it that they, they, only, they only intend on creating or just proposing new and yeah, just, you know, it's like, what is the, what is the, uh, what is their look or um, how do you say it? their way of policy making different than the governmental uh, policy making method or structure? Yeah, so Donny, basically, um, in terms of think tank, you you need to pick what is available to work on what is available, and then you also introduce. So you pick what is seen and what is known. So based on what is known and seen, then you can add your own thinking to it. And as you add your own thinking to it, you are also proposing some policy directions. And um, think tanks are set up to be either critical, um, clearly, and then um, also to be intellectual. And so um, think tanks are supposed to be intellectual and um, think tanks are supposed to think into the future. And so if government has not brought out any particular policy in a particular direction, I am, as, as a leader of a think tank, I need to be able to start bringing the attention of government to that particular direction. Um, you, you know that um, COVID, COVID has not treated us fairly as, as a continent. Um, I, I, I know that I've seen the efforts that the president has put in place in terms of his good leadership. Um, I've seen how he's been extremely forthright in all of this. Um, as a think tank, when, when COVID began, we, we predicted that there was gonna be a lockdown. And I would use this platform now to also publicly state that based on our research and based on our findings, we, we propose and predict that a lockdown would happen in Ghana that by August um, of this year, we would have a lockdown um, to be able another to- Another lockdown. Yes, another lockdown, yes. And wow. so, so, so I'm, giving you, I'm giving you an example of government has not stated that they will give a lockdown. But when I sit down in terms of looking outside of the box and as I look at the issues that are arising, as I look at the numbers that are coming up, as I look at the recoveries 
as I look at the death rate, as I look at our own economy and um, economic activities and government activities that needs to take place, I can predict that in the next seven weeks, um, government would allow things to go in way work very well, and then we'll do another lockdown. We'll do another lockdown in August um, for an initial of two weeks, and then do a third week, and then see how that looks like to be able to control the measures. Now, always remember that anytime the president speaks, he says that government needs to achieve five things. So the president always calls those five things. One is to enhance testing. Two is to enhance tracing. Three is to enhance treatment. Four is to limit the spread. And five is to see the economic impact of the COVID on the country. And so as I assess these um, conversations, the president highlights every now and then, I think that Ghana is in a very good position to allow another seven weeks um, in terms of everyone going around their activities. And then we, we would likely come back to a partial lockdown. And um, I use this opportunity to say it for the first time um, on HI Radio that Ghana should pre be prepared for a lockdown in August. Hmm. Interesting, very interesting. So, you know, Donnie, that really um, brings a point to mind that if you are in policy and you are in think tank, you need to be bold because clearly what, what I, the statement I just made is a very bold statement. It's an audacious statement. So um, tomorrow someone can call me and say, what are your facts? So Palgrave, I heard you on HI radio that Ghana should prepare for a lockdown in August. What are your facts? Then as a think tank, I bring out my facts. And then I tell you that from the 12th of March to the 12th of April, to the 12th of May, to the 12th of June, we have increasingly recorded these number of cases. And if I do a prediction in terms of the percentages of increase every four weeks, I do predict that by the 12th of July, Ghana would have X number of people testing positive, Y number of recoveries, and Z number of deaths. As a result of that, I do predict that we will have issues in the health sector, we'll have issues in the mortuary, we'll have issues in this A, B, C, and D. And so it would be extremely overwhelming and we'll need to clean up the system and close up some measures. And so I am sure that the leadership of government would ask for a lockdown in August. Do you understand that? So clearly, um, mm -hmm. that's how things tanking work. So you need to make an audacious statement. But in making an audacious statement, you need to make an audacious statement that when you are called upon and asked, your facts can really speak up for you. Because it's all about facts, it's all about data, and it's all about science. All right. Most definitely. Um, before we're going to go to uh, to some of the questions, because they're already like uh, coming up on my WhatsApp and uh, even on the timeline. <laughs> um, let's 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 talk about, you know, your your idea as uh, as in, as it relates to uh, leaders. Um, could you could you talk a bit about the diversity of your mentees? Like what is what is particularly the type of mentees that, you know, Candy Four Institute really looks for? And um, I, I am pro-women empowerment. So, you know, I, I, I've already heard about some of the initiatives for women. But could you share with us uh, a bit about that? And also, um, give us your take on are leaders born or do people become leaders? Okay, thank you very much. So in terms of a scope of mentees, we, 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 we pick raw materials. So raw materials are persons and people that 
do not have any skill or have skills that can be added upon. So if you already have existing skills, if you already have a bit of a journey, it's an add-on. But if you come as a raw material, a novice, a novice, a novice, without having any knowledge, any skill, we as an institute will groom you and nurture you and grow you and present you to the world. And so we, we can pick you from being a cobbler to being a kayaye, um, to being a banker, to being an architect, to being a medical doctor, to being a, a pastor or an imam or whatever. So we, we, we don't have any categorization as it relates. Because if you're looking at a holistic country, they are looking at a holistic country that has a combination of a strong formal sector and a strong informal sector. If you mix up, if you mix up on just focusing on a formal sector, the informal sector will rise up to your view and you realize that you didn't do it well. So for us as a think tank, we look at a holistic journey and it's a journey of the cobbler and the journey of a banker. It's the journey of the kayaye and the journey of a journalist. It's the journey of the street young man by the side of the road who cleans the rain screen to the journey of the university graduate. And so we grew all of you because we need holistic growth. I hope that answers your question. Then yeah. the other question about leaders being born or leaders being made. For me, and this is my own independent thoughts, and I am sure that it will be that of the think tank. When children are born today, I am sure the world has recorded a, a good number of children that are born. Every day, children are born. When children are born, they are born with equal opportunities. Where is the divergence? The divergence is which home they go to. Mm -hmm. And so the home matters a lot. So there is no child that is born and it, you can clearly state that this child is born as a leader. So that answers the question that leaders are not born. Okay, now, now what, how, how do leaders come about? Leaders come about by training. So everyone is a leader, but it's by training. So you're a leader in a good thing or you're a leader in a bad thing. Because you see, there's leadership at every point. The, the, the group of people who will gather tonight and would plan an evil to say that, let's go and rob this bank or let's go and rob this home. There is a leader in it. So at every space, there is, there is leadership. But it depends on what kind of leadership that is. It's either a leadership for a good cause or leadership for a bad cause. So I believe very clearly that leaders are made if you put anybody in an incubator and you 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 feed that person with books i i have close to about five million books which i have read cover to cover mm -hmm. and sometimes when i sit down i think of which chapter and which book but there's a book that readily comes to my mind every time written by jim collins how the mighty fall jim collins did a research on many organizations, global organizations, and clearly stated about eight points of how organizations fall. And one of them that I always tell my friends about is one, unnecessary pursuits for more. So if you're an organization and you're necessarily pursue for more, which is of your mission, vision, and the establishment for which you set up your organization, you are going to fall. Number two, Jim Collins talks about gasping for air. And so gasping for her is where Jim Collins says, then your organization is about to die. 
So that's where you really cannot breathe. So you, you have tried everything and you're gasping for air. So you see how my mind is thinking in terms of how I'm picking up the books that I've read from my mind. So I've read Jim Collins' books, Good to Great, okay? And so Good to Great also talks about how you can just move from a state of being good to becoming extremely great, okay? So that's really the thinking of it. And I, I, I read a book, I read a book by Steve Covey. I read Steve Covey's book when I was 17 years old. And Steve Covey wrote a book titled The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Person. In recent times, Steve Covey has brought up the eighth habit of a highly effective person. I won't be surprised that by the time we get to 2024, there's going to be a tenth habit of a highly effective person. But I also read a book by Robin Sherman. And Robin Sherman talks about the 5 a.m. club. So he talks about a principle about the fact that when you wake up at 5 a.m., you are ahead of your friends and you're ahead of your team. So really, in terms of leadership, I believe that if you put a leader in an incubator or if you put an individual in an incubator and you begin to feed the individual with certain materials and resources, you, the next time you realize that individual becomes a leader. So leaders are made and leaders can be made. And I believe that I can pick up a Kayaye from the side of the road, I can give that Kayaye to Miss Abba, and I say, Miss Abba, incubate this lady. And this lady will come out refined, transformed, and as she begins to share her story of how her days of Kayaye-ness was, I'm sure many people are going to be like, wow. So really, what, you need a wow moment when you pick up a leader. So if you pick up an individual and the individual cannot come out with that wow moment, I don't think that you've went out very well. You need to be able to work out individuals such that when they come out, it becomes a wow moment. But it, it does it does mean though that um, because every each individual have their well, and you can you can can you say that they're born with their character or is character also something you grow up to um, let's say. Um, to become so you grow into your character or are you born with certain characters because if you are born with uh, a character or a personality and leadership is I think within yeah within the intellectual concept as, as well is is seen as a personality um, it can be taught as a skill however they do recommend that uh, in case that you have personalities that um, um, that warrant or facilitate leadership much more than other personalities. Um, but listening to how you can make someone uh, or to in, to put them into an incubator and bring the leadership out of them or turn them into lead um, into leaders, it does mean that um, in that process, um, your natural personality will either have to be, um, let's say, overridden, so or, or override them, or or we just find that com um, lead, um, leadership com um, competence, um, competency within your personality and that, and explore and expand on that one. So which one is it? Uh, so so you, you are right, Tony. Yeah, you are very right because, you know, um, we don't rule out the DNA of an individual. So when you are born into a family, you carry the DNA of that family. So the DNA is 
the chromosomes that um, makes you. But when you are born into that family, um, you, 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 the environment also is part of the nurturing process. So you can be, you can be a great person and you can be born into a great family, but you can be brought up by a not so great family and you will become a not so great person. And, and so your, your, your character and your attitudes and your, your, your DNA, all of that is formed by where you are born and also the things that you see. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I, my, my father was a medical doctor. He, he was an ENT specialist, um, an ear, nose and throat surgeon. And, and in the medical world, they will call it otholilolilocologist. And so that, that, that's my, that was my father. So I, I grew up in, in a home where I have breakfast in the morning, I have lunch in the afternoon, I have dinner in the evening. So it's, it's a setup. I grew up where I saw my father wear a three-piece suit to go to work, and he would, he would go to work with his, 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 his equipment, his tools to, to work in terms of as a medical doctor. So I saw that. So it's, it's formed in my system. The clothes that they bought for me reminded me of the home that I came from. So I wore suit going to church as a young person, okay? Very, very young, I wore a three-piece suit going to church. So it's really, it's really important. It, it, what you said is very true. Your character, where you are born, it's fused into it, but then also it's enhanced. So if you come with those skills, it's an enhanced skill. But then if you do not come with those skills, they are skills that can be taught. So now, if I pick up a child who was not born in the manner in which I was born and raised in the manner in which I was raised, because I know how I was raised, I can be able to take that child through it. So I tell, I tell my team, wear high heels because it helps your confidence. And I'm sure Mr. Ba would agree. Yeah. Wear high heels because it helps your confidence. Okay? Put on a bow tie because it makes you a perfect gentleman, okay? Put on a flying tie because it also makes you a perfect gentleman. Put on a nice cologne because it makes you smell nice. So, so those things can be taught. You, you, you understand that? And if you see person A who came from A environment and you know how that person A environment is like, and you put a person in a B environment and you see how transformed the person has become, you go like, wow. So it's really that wow moment you had those DNA, you had those character traits, but they were more recessive. They were not dominant. So you needed someone to bring up that dominance and tell you, do this, it works. Do this, it works. Do this, it works. And once you realize that when you do A, B, and C, and it works, then you now begin to see that, oh, this is really good and it's part of me. All right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Um, in the meantime, before we steal all of your time, and again, this is, again, too short of a time to have that good conversation, but um, uh, I think we really have to uh, to pick up on a lot of questions that I see scrolling down our timeline. Uh, most definitely, we, we, should, we should talk about. Um, I just want to give out a shout out to, he should be like, I don't know, he should be awarded as a best listener. Thank you for tuning in, uh, for joining into uh, the conversation. Um, one of the questions, Nene, he's one of our um, uh, Let's Chat Africa, which is a monthly segment that comes here on uh, Africa in Focus, where we talk to millennials 
as it re as it relates to Africans and uh, topics re regarding being African. Um, he asked, does your training uh, extend beyond the borders of Ghana? And if so, how is training delivered to those beyond the borders? Okay, thank you very much. I think that in this in this season of COVID, we would make very good use of Zoom. So our training does go beyond the borders of, of Ghana. I've, I've done training in 78 countries in close to about 3,000 different communities and um, um, neighborhoods. So yes, our training does go beyond the borders of Ghana. And um, um, yes, is that all, um, how is the training delivered? So yes, it's either in person or, uh, or we would make use of technology. Basically, yeah. Which which is definitely uh, the future, yeah. or it is the now, the now and the future. The now, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Charity Ofusuhene, who's saying, "Wow, even though it is still difficult to think about, we may likely need another partial lockdown. However, shouldn't we look at more education?" Uh, well, yes. So basically, um, people. People don't believe that COVID is real. Um, I, I can appreciate. I can appreciate why people do not believe Israel. Um, it's basically because the symptoms of COVID are symptoms that are similar to what we already know, which is um, fever, cough, and all of that. And then you just take and um, you go to the hospital and they diagnose you as having malaria. So. Um, education, education, education is clearly important, right. and um, people need to be educated. Um, I, I, I think that we we are getting there as a country. I think that globally we are getting there as well. And um, the more people are educated, the more people clearly come to understand that um, this is a global pandemic that people need to be careful about and ensure that they they stay safe. I'm not sure we have seen the surge of COVID in terms of its global impact, but I can predict that by, by the time we get to 2022, um, COVID would have fully gone. Um, then um, it would, it would we'll need to wait for another 100 years, which I'm sure none of us will be here to see. <laughs> right. But um, we should give ourselves a bit of a two-year um, journey with this, with this pandemic. And then also give ourselves a bit of a, a five-year recovery rate. And so, Tony, you know, clearly I'm answering your question as well as it relates to thinking. So you see how I'm thinking and you see how I'm really raising the issues. So like someone will say, okay, so Paul, Gray, you're saying that COVID is going to be with us for two years. What are your facts? So then I'll raise up my facts in terms of historical analysis of the flu that happened 100 years ago, how many people it killed, how, many, how long it, it lasted and all of that. And I, I, I bring that into conversation. So it's intellectual. Then I go, so the people are saying, okay, so how are you saying that we are, it's going to take five years for us to recover? Then I also go back and then I look at the, the havoc that is created and on, 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 on. You, you understand what I'm saying? So really, that's really the thing. So yes, we would look into more education. And uh, I think that this platform gives an opportunity to educate more people about the various issues that are happening around the world and how we should all stay safe. People need to take responsibility for their health. You know, um, people have underlying issues. Um, in, in, in some parts of Africa, and I stand to be corrected, but I'm not sure I'll be corrected. The reason is that people do not take care of their health. 
People do not even visit the hospital in a year because they feel they have not fallen sick. But if you have lived in the Western world, I take a mid-year review of my health every year. Whether I'm sick or not, I go to the hospital. And I go to the hospital not because I'm sick. And so those conversations as well need to be held. That you need to go to the hospital not because you are sick. You can just go for a review because there are some things that happen to you internally in your being you are not aware of. Prayer cannot reveal that to you. I'm sorry. Um, you need to go to the hospital and go through an MRI scan or go through something and um, either see that it's a hemorrhage or something developing. You know, this afternoon I was in a conversation with a few friends and um, the man said that he's been given five years to leave. And so he's, he's on his extra bonus time. So on his extra bonus time, he's really taking care of himself. Maybe per adventure he would, he would have an extension of an extra 15 years or 30 years, you know, those kind of things. So this, this COVID gives us an opportunity to realize that everybody must take responsibility for their health. Absolutely, absolutely, and and do it, um, you know, with a, with a determination. <laughs> you absolutely. know, if if you don't get that right, there is no you you can't be good enough to make any business or to meet any meeting or gathering, you know, if your health is not good. So yeah. that is uh, that is definitely one. Uh, one of the questions is also if the curriculum build. Does the curriculum build one from scratch per their field of interest, let's say arts, engineering, science, or uh, a general training that's applicable in all fields? Okay, so I need to put a disclaimer here. Kanifu Institute is not a university. And right. so um, if, you, if you need to build um, a, um, a field of interest in terms of from scratch, like arts, engineering, science, you need to go to the university. What Candifo Institute does is a policy think tank. It's oriented around free market, it's oriented around conservatism, it's oriented around libertarianism, it's oriented around individual liberty, limited government, it's oriented around leadership, governance, and economy. And so if you come as an engineer, we would be able to have conversations around free market, would have a conversations around public policy. If you come as a scientist, we'll have conversations around individual liberty, we'll have conversations around public policy, advocacy. We'll have conversations. If you come as an art, we'll have conversations around all of the things that we have been set up to establish. Now, realize that I spoke about Jim Collins and I spoke about how the mighty fall, unnecessary pursuits for more. And so this question is very tempting, is very idealistic, is very rich. And I'm like, wow, why not? Maybe it will be good for us to consider building building from scratch. So we have an art school, have an engineering school, have a science school. But clearly, just because we do not want to fail as an institute and as a think tank, and just because we have read so much and learned so much from people that have unnecessarily pursued for more, people that have either set up banks and went into hospitality, and people that have set up banks and went into transport, and later on their bank collapsed and all of that, we are a think tank. We are established to do public policy. We are established to do research, we established to do advocacy, we established to do conversations of free market, we established to do libertarian conversations, we established to do conservatism, and we established to hold conversations on leadership, governance, and economy, which is extremely youth focused. Right, I love that. Uh, shout out to also another uh, uh, one that tuned in, Sylvia Ada, 
who's saying a firm foundation begins with the education system. Uh, students in school should be challenged to think critically. What do you think about that statement? I agree. I agree. And I, I need to be able to also state that education is not just brick and mortar um, mm. because then you're educated in, in a formal and an informal way. So you're home, you're educated, you walk by the side of the streets, you're educated. So I spoke about observatory. So um, you need to take into strong cognizance your observatory analysis that would be able to educate you. And so, yes, I do agree that a firm foundation begins with an educational system. But clearly, when I look at educational system, I need to be able to tell my children that what's this kind of channel because they are home. And so that's all part of an educational system. And so it's really not just a brick and mortar, but it's really about thinking critically in an educational system that is set up in the fabrics of the entire society in terms of the seven pillars of society. So education is mixed up in that. So if I go to church, I need to be educated. And it's not just um, bluff. It should be real education. Right. Um, one of our uh, special guests that we had here uh, just a few weeks ago who said, real power holds in the ability to create new leaders. Um, what is your take on that? I agree. Um, so real power does hold in your ability to create new leaders. But I also need to add that in your ability, it should be your capacity because it's not just about an ability. It's also about your capacity. Um, capacity is um, how capable you are to be able to build into the new leaders that, mm -hmm. that are coming. So I agree with it. So if, if, if I have an opportunity to train 500,000 young people in terms of building into them good leadership skills over the next five years, um, I'm not sure they'll de facto to someone else, but and I'm also not saying that they'll de facto to me, but I'll have at least, if not 5% of influence, I'll have 3% of influence and I need to use that 3% of influence wisely. So it's right, power is, power is really building into people. Definitely. Um, you know, before we were almost gonna, gonna round up and let you uh, be on the rest of your evening, um, there are a couple of things that are mentioned as, you know, uh, black people's problems or Africa's problems. You tackled a bit on that last time, which is, uh, you know, partying on the weekends, uh, for instance, uh, not being on time, you know, being quite of a, of a laid back, you know, you know, these global things, which we are infamous for sometimes. Um, what is your take on that? What are some of the few things that you also tackle? you know, with the Kandi Four Institute and um, how, how do you intend to change this type of stereotype? Cultural, cultural behaviors. Cultural behaviors, right. Thank you. Thank you, Donnie, and thank you, Abba. You know, it takes time for people to form a habit and um, a culture. Culture, as we know, is defined as a way of a lifestyle of a people. Mm -hmm. What the people eat, what the people wear, what the people do. It's not going to be rocket science to change the lifestyle and the culture of a particular kind of community or country if the people have lived with this for a very long time. It's almost become religious. And when lifestyle and cultures become religious and dogmatic, it becomes very difficult to change. One of the things, as I read, um, Lin Kuan Hu in terms of the Singapore guy. You know, I, 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 I believe in this and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that 
the old man upstairs God would, would help us see this in our lifetime, that a generation is changed in 35 years. And I see Abba and I see Donnie and I see myself and I see the rest of the people that are listening to us and I can almost predict that all of us are young people. And I can also predict that if all of us are young people, we should all make a pledge that in the next 35 years, we will change that culture by beginning today. What does that mean? What that means is that I need to be able to start changing the culture from my children who, who are less than 10 years old. I need to start telling my children, you need to dress well and stay home, not because you are going out. It's a culture. I need to tell my children, you need to eat with a cutlery, not because when you go to the hotel, you need to know how to eat with a cutlery. It's a culture. So you need to start changing those cultures from the children. Lin Kuahu said, um, you know, he came to Ghana. Mm. In Krumis time. And um, Singapore was very poor, extremely poor. What was happening in Singapore? They were living with chickens, real poultry. They were living with poultry. And Lin Kuahu said that we cannot continue to live like this. And he came to Ghana and watched the system of Ghana. And he left very disappointed in the country. And he said that his country is going to be better than Ghana, even though he admitted his own mistakes. What did he do? What Lee Kwan Hu began to do was to start putting education in terms of um, knowledge in the schools. So he started teaching the children, do not spit, do not litter, do not insult. Do not do this. Do not do that. In 35 years, Lee Kuan Wu had moved Singapore from a third world to a first world. And so really, if, if we are looking into changing a culture, I don't think we can do it with any of the elderly people. I think that we can clearly do it with the young people, ourselves becoming the change agents, our children becoming the implementers, our nephews and nieces becoming the implementers, the grandchildren becoming the implementers. And in the next 35 years, I promise you, we will see a refined culture because it's a new culture that has been introduced. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could definitely envision envision uh, that uh, from, from taking place. It doesn't sound strange. It doesn't sound impossible because I know uh, uh, a, lot, uh, a lot of the talks or let's just say as it relates to the future of Ghana sometimes as in you know as in terms of having high hopes but not necessarily believing in those hopes uh, coming forth uh before we round up I just want to um uh, share one thing and that is Donnie the conversation that you had with your dad remember that you pointed that one out at one of our interviews that we had it was about the Kwame Nkrumah uh, Dream, remember that one. Could you share with us? Because I would really like uh, for Palgrave to hear on that and what he thinks about that uh, as it relates to making a particular change happen. Could you share with us with that right. the uh, roundup? <laughs> um, yeah, right. Because um, so I was with, uh, with my dad a couple of weeks ago and we were just talking about um, how how generations let's say think and it was to me it you know it, it it was funny to to hear him say that 
looking at the um, the technological um, equipment and and advancement that we have now, and he was like, "Well, if we had that those things back in those days, like when he was younger, um, the the good things or the, the things he would have done." And so, um, to me, it, it was it was remarkable in the sense that it's the idea or the thought that he that he has now reflecting on something in the past which kind of like had me also realize, all right, so here's one reflecting on the past and talking about this idea that he, that he has now. We have the idea, I have the idea now, and I'm in the present. So I asked him, all right, so what would you do differently if you were, uh, you know, back then, uh, if you were back in the time with the advancement that, um, that we have now? So he went on to speak about, um, about that. And one of the things that you also said was um, that, in a sense, because I was saying it, it's it, it's it's funny because the idea I believe every generation has a group of people or uh, a group of uh, whether it be the majority or minority, but there are a lot of those who do see certain things and do want to bring changes to on a national level. And so he was saying that it was. Um, when it comes to politics, that was now that um, um, the um, Ghanaian government have pulled back or pulled um, went into the archives and pulled out the plans that um, Dr. Kwame Nkrumah had made, infrastructure plans that he had made for Ghana and the cities and etc. And are actually building um, the the Ghana infrastructure based on those plans. Um, so what, um, what, what, what that pointed out to me was the fact that the idea and the blueprint already is there only if we can, or, and we, yeah, most of the time we already know, but only if we are determined to use that blueprint or to actually act upon those things, then, you know, change, changes can be really made. And, you know, that was such, such a, that was such a, a big, um, big getaway or you know to take away from that conversation i had with him for me yeah what 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 would your in general okay no so basically um to be honest i i, I think that we we have to commend fathers like donny um, donny's father um, because um they 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 are the kind of people that we we need as a younger generation to spare us on and so when, when they look into the past, um, they, they wish that they were living in our generation and our setting. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sure they would, they, would, they would have taken more risk. Um, they would have been more bolder. Um, they would have taken more action um, because then they know that their actions and their boldness and their risk would give the future a better one. So um, I, I'm, I'm happy that your father had those conversations with you. Um, that is why I, I stated that if, as a think tank, if you write and you speak and it's not even heard, many years to come, people will pick up your writing and people will pick up your audio or your, your video and take a listen to it. But clearly, um, Ghana has, has a blueprint 
Um, Ghana has great minds. Ghana has great thinkers. I, I personally know some very great Ghanaians who have held um, uh, uh, the president of uh, Rwanda, uh, what's his name, Kagame, you know, who have held Paul Kagame in, in his cabinet. There's, there's one prominent Ghanaian who worked out the entire fabric and structure of Rwanda as it is today. And so there are great minds in this country and great minds um, outside of this country. And um, it's our time as young people, I, I see the names on the screen and I, I call into action, Miss Abba, and call into action, Donnie, and call into action myself that we should be the young people that blaze the torch and hold the torch to chart the path for the other younger people that are coming ahead of us. And um, whatever documents that we can turn upon, let's do it right and do it intellectually and be sure that our impact is felt very strongly because we have only one life to live. It's not two. And that's why Donnie is having a conversation with his father. And that's why his father is having a conversation. And so tomorrow, Donnie's father wants to see Donnie as a more action-oriented person, a, a younger person who lives in the now and in the reality because this is the time, like his father rightly said. I, I, I lost my father 20 years ago, um, but I have... I, I, I hear, I, I, I incline my ears to conversations from people that were born in the 30s, people that were born in the 20s, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. Those are my friends. 1960s, 1970s, those are my friends. And um, it, it, it gives me a good balance of um, being very traditional and also being very modern. So I live in their world and I understand this generation and this century. And um, I think that we should poise ourselves for that. So our dressing must be modern, but our thinking must be old, so we can be able to balance it. Absolutely. And uh, on that note, uh, before we round up, here is one uh, uh, question, um, and which which is a good question actually. Which culture do you advocate we teach our children? You haven't traveled all over. And uh, I know Kimo Kamara, he's a uh, community leader actually based in the Netherlands. Uh, what would you recommend as in terms of, you know, as being Africa, looking on forward, collaborating, youth leadership and all that we talked about, which culture do you advocate we teach our African children? <laughs> well, that, that's a very good question and that's a very broad question, but I would, I would clearly just pick it. You, you, I, I'm not sure, you remember the other time I, I use the same pen and I say that you should be able to, so for um, Kamara, you should be able to have a relationship with your child. So this is you and this is your child. So this ongoing horizontal relationship must continually exist. It must not break. Mm -hmm. And so you teach your child the culture that you know from this relationship. Now, you should be able to teach your child a horizontal relationship in terms of culture. And everyone has a supreme being. And so yours could be God, it could be Allah, it could be Buddha, it could be Confucius, it could be whoever, you know. And so once you begin to teach these things, I think that you form a culture out of that. I cannot take a culture out of the Bible. I think that my own culture in terms of my value system and composition has come from my horizontal relationship with my family. That is, that has been my immediate impact. And then my own 
vertical relationship with my God, Jesus Christ. So I am here, God is here. So I pick his culture and it reflects in my lifestyle. So that would be a very quick answer um, to your very broad question. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I think I would have to agree with the with your suggestion of you coming back regularly. Um, there are a few, you know, uh, uh, milestones also that I picked up on uh, as in terms of Candy Four Institute uh, online. So it would be uh, our pleasure to have you back on, um, let's say a month from now or one and a half month uh, to talk on some more. Myself and Donnie have so many questions even listed uh, as it relates a bit, you know, uh, goes a bit deeper into the values that you talked about and so forth. But, you know, we have to respect time. Um, I, again, would really like to thank you for your time uh, so far. Thank Are there you. any last words and something that you could just impress on us to motivate us uh, to also move with Condé Four Institute or towards the direction you're going for the rest of this year and many more years to come? Well, thank you. I, I think that I pick, I pick something very strongly from Donnie, and I would like to use that to conclude. And so Donnie spoke about Generation Think. And... Um, I, I think that um, this is our generation and we need to think. Um, mm -hmm. Many of us are in our young ages. It takes 35 years to impact a generation. If you are 40 and you add 35 to it, in the next seven, in the, well, the time you're 75, you should have impacted very clearly and very strongly. And so going forward, Candifo Institute is, is gonna be making all the impact that is needed in all the sectors that is needed in all the countries that is available in this world. Um, we are not limited to Ghana. We are not limited to the continent of Africa. We are open to go global. We are open to go to Europe, open to go to North America, open to go to Middle East, open to go to everywhere, Latin America, everywhere. And so I leave my last words, I pick from Donnie very strongly that we are a generation that must think, so generation think. And so, Donnie, maybe you should launch an initiative um, as, as, as a follow-up to this conversation called Generation Think. And uh, we're all coming to support you um, in terms of inspiration from your father. So I, I throw that to you. See, that, that's that's the, the perfect display of a think tank. They think about <laughs> I think it does. I think it does. You definitely pick up on that. Um, Palgrave, again, thank you so much for uh, tuning thank in with us. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be following up on uh, you and, of course, keep in touch for our next uh, uh, meeting as we as we plan that ahead. Um, and again, you know, um, don't hesitate to, to, to inform us through WhatsApp on whatever is going on, because we will be readily available to spread the word. Um, thank you. Have, have a good uh, evening. I know that you, you, you gave us a teaser. You gave us like a first-hand thing of what's to come. I, I hope the president, uh, his excellency, won't be mad at you. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 hope that, I hope that won't happen. No, not at all. Not okay, at all. great. Thanks again for your time and um, have, have, a, have a blessed uh, furtherance of the week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaunfocus.com. 
and follow me on all your social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Abba. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle.